I tell you what, I'm starting to miss my studio. Haven't done a sports pen from there since Friday. Monday, out on location at Super One Foods in Marquette on US 41, we were having our bracketology special. Yesterday, out at Gaylord on location as we got set for Westwood Girls Basketball. And today, you guessed it, we're out of the studio as well, but we're still bringing you the sports pen on ESPN-UP. I'm Tanner Hoops. Thanks for being with us on ESPN-UP on your Wednesday afternoon. A few subjects that I didn't get to yesterday, and I should have, I know, but I had a packed show already trying to fit two days' worth of news into one, and I didn't get a touch on some stuff that happened after my show prep had started. I was a busy guy. Not making excuses, but in my defense, trying to plan out a bus trip that could last a week long, and knowing I still got sports pens to record, gotta make some content stretch throughout the week. So let's break down what happened yesterday, specifically the Mike Trout deal. Mike Trout is now the highest paid professional athlete in U.S. sports history. $430 million on a 12-year deal, and the Angels owner, Arte Moreno, says he has no regrets about it. He had to. Otherwise, Mike Trout was going to go to a team that was competing. He was going to go out, so you either got to pay him, really sell your future away, to try to keep the best player in baseball on your team, even though you're probably going to miss the playoffs again, or you let him go. I'm a little sad for Mike Trout in the sense that we may never get to see him really make a postseason run. I just don't have that kind of confidence in the Angels. Same thing with Virginia basketball. I just don't have that confidence in them. I don't care how many times they're the number one seed. I just don't feel confident in them. So I tell you what, now the pressure is on. Not only on Mike Trout, but it's on the Angels. Mike Trout is pretty much going to be an Angel for the rest of his career. He's pretty much locked in there. They won't find someone who wants to trade for him because no one's going to want to pick up that contract, will they? I mean, the Yankees are out there. But let's all hope and pray that Mike Trout never wears a Yankee uniform. So the Angels and Mike Trout are married. Kind of like Bryce Harper is with the Phillies. They are married for better or for worse until each of them are in their late 30s. And they're two of the top players in the game right now. Right now. In their mid-20s. What is that going to be like when they're even mid-30s? Doesn't even have to be late 30s when these contracts expire. Are they still going to be playing with the same energy at the same level of intensity as they are now when they're 34, 35? No. No, and that's the same with any athlete. LeBron James, at 34 right now, is not the same athlete he was when he was 26. But how will that affect Bryce Harper and Mike Trout, even Manny Machado, guys with these long-term contracts? The teams were really in a situation where it was either pay them or lose them, especially the Angels. The Angels can't make the postseason with Mike Trout. They're about 81 and 81 every year. Count on it every year that the Angels are going to be right around the 500 mark. Could you imagine if they lost Mike Trout? So Mike Trout is an angel for better or for worse. But now the time is to deliver. Because what good is Mike Trout if you're not going to make a run with him? If you're always going to finish 81 and 81? Now the pressure is on Arta Moreno and the Angels' ownership. You shout out all this money to make Harper the highest-paid professional athlete in history. What are you going to do about it? Because that's great if he's the greatest player in the game, one of the greatest to ever play the game. That's great, but if it doesn't translate into wins, what good is that for the fans? Okay, with the contracts that Harper and Machado were getting, this is something that Mike Trout deserved. 
430 million over the next 12 years. Let's give you some perspective on that. Baseball now has a 430 million dollar man. There is not an NFL player that makes more than 150 million. Again, 430 compared to 150. The contract Mike Trout just got from the Angels would fund a single season salary cap for 122 NFL players. That's insane. Baseball is becoming the league of the dominant contract. And people will say, Kyler, what were you thinking when you picked football over baseball? Mike Trout maybe is getting into Kyler Murray's mind a little bit, saying, this is what you should have done. I don't know. I don't know. Kyler Murray has other things on his mind, like being the future number one overall pick. So Mike Trout, with his new contract, here's the eye-popping stat of the day. He is worth more than eight professional sports franchises. All of them in the NHL. Colorado Avalanche, the Buffalo Sabres, the Winnipeg Jets, the Nashville Predators, the Carolina Hurricanes, the Florida Panthers, the Columbus Blue Jackets, and the Arizona Coyotes. Mike Trout is worth more than all those franchises. So now the pressure is on for both the Angels and Mike Trout. For the Angels, they are going to pay this guy best player in the world money. And he's the best player in the world. He deserves this kind of money. The thing is, they're going to pay it until he is in his late 30s. Will he still be the best player in the world at the end of his contract, which is paying him best player in the world money? That's the pressure for the Angels. The other will be to win now. Because if you've got this guy, if you've got the best player in the world, what good is he? Well, you're, you're selling your future to not make the playoffs? To continue to go about 500 every year and tread water? They just hired Brad Osmus. The fans really weren't happy with that managerial hire. But what about Mike Trout? What kind of pressure is on him now? He's a fan favorite. Everybody loves him. You rarely find somebody who will have a bad word to say about Mike Trout. But if he doesn't come through for a fan base that hasn't seen a lot of success in recent years, how quickly do you think they'll turn on him? Again, it's not like Philadelphia. Bryce Harper in Philadelphia, that's a whole different story. Angel fans aren't nearly on that same tier as Philadelphia sports fans. But for the money he's making... If he doesn't deliver, I'm not talking about in terms of wins or playoff appearances, but if he doesn't continue to put up a slash line that's worthy of the title best player in baseball, then what? Then what are the fans going to think about him? Then how will the, perce the perception change? And I'm a little surprised that he chose to re-sign with the Angels. Manny Machado and Bryce Harper are both signing with teams that they didn't play for last year. They were willing to find suitors who are going to pay them record-breaking amounts. You think Mike Trout could have done the same? The question wasn't if Mike Trout was going to get this kind of money, $430 million. We all knew that was coming. The question was who and when. I didn't think it would be the Angels, and I didn't totally expect it now, but I'm a little surprised that somebody else didn't seem to jump on this one. The Angels did the right thing if locking down Mike Trout for the rest of his career was their goal. They did what they needed to. They were worried he was going to walk, go somewhere else. They decided to lock him up for all they can get. But now you've got to build around him. Segment yesterday, we talked about how Connor McDavid and LeBron James, two of the best players in their respective sports, maybe the two best, are both going to sit at home and watch the playoffs this year. Neither of their teams will make it. Same could be said with Mr. Trout and the Angels every year. Mike Trout, the best player in baseball, watching the playoffs from his couch year after year. 
Very similar situation with LeBron and Connor McDavid. And just like those franchises, the Angels, the Lakers, and the Oilers, they're all in positions of pressure where they have these guys locked in. LeBron will have three years left on his deal with the Lakers after this year. He's on the shortest deal of any of them. Connor McDavid is under contract until 2027 when he'll be 30 years old. Mike Trout, now under contract for the next 12 years. So now these teams are in a position where, great, you've got the best player, arguably the best player in the game, certainly a top three talent. Now what are you going to do about it? If it doesn't translate into wins, what good does that do for us as fans? This is where you've got to keep the fan base happy. Selling jerseys, having Mike Trout, Connor McDavid bobblehead night isn't going to be enough. The LeBron jersey giveaway for the first 500 fans at Staples Center, that's not going to be enough. If it doesn't translate to wins, what good is having the best player in your respective sport or one of the best what have you? you got to build up these teams around them. This is where the pressure really comes on for these teams. The Angels, the Lakers, the Oilers. What moves are they going to make in the offseason? How are they going to get better? I tell you what, congrats to Mike Trout for getting that kind of money. In my opinion, he deserves it. If there's anybody who deserves to be the highest paid professional athlete in history, it's Mike Trout. He's a great guy, a great athlete. It's hard to say that based on a performance scale, he hasn't earned it. But if I were Mike Trout, I wouldn't have signed this deal. I would have signed something long-term like he did somewhere else. I don't want to be locked in to an Angels uniform for the rest of my career. I don't know who would pick up the tab if they tried to trade him, if they tried to move him. I know the Yankees have the capital to do it, and I'm sure they'd love to have Mike Trout, but let's all again hope and pray that Mike Trout never winds up wearing pinstripes. I don't know what Mike Trout's thought process was. Maybe he loves the city. Maybe he loves the fan base. He's been with them his entire career. Maybe he wants to be an angel his entire career. And if so, that's understandable. But there's so much pressure that goes with this deal. you got to look at it from more than a financial uh, transaction, a financial situation. There's so much pressure that it makes you think, is the money worth it? If I can't continue to perform at the level I was when I was 25, if I can't do that even four or five years from now, when I'm past 30, in my low 30s, what if... I go through some season-ending injury. If I get paid this kind of money and I can't produce after my 30th birthday the way I am now, and I'm on a team that's still not making the postseason, is that worth it? Is that a waste of my career? One of the best careers in all of professional sports, especially baseball. That's what I don't like about this deal with Mike Trout. Again, I think he deserved the money, He did the right thing for himself by locking in a 12-year contract should take him through the end of his career. But I would have gone for a place outside of L.A., or at least outside the Angels. Even go to the Dodgers, a team that does consistently look to get better. Even when they're making the NLCS, they continue to get better and get pieces around them. The Angels haven't made any kind of big splash other than this. (coughs) Excuse me. Again, I'm not saying that there needs to be a big splash, but at least build yourself up. You know, at least do something to try and give yourself a fighting chance with the best player in baseball, at least for right now. We owe you our first time out. (coughs) When we come back, 
I'm trying to make sense of what Dave Gettleman is doing in New York. I really am. I just don't see the end game. And I explain next in the Sports Pen on ESPN UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN UP and on the ESPN UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN UP. Tanner Hoops with you once again. I'm not in the office today. I am downstate following the Westwood Patriot girls basketball team. I've been in the office in quite a few days now. Been on location doing the sports pen this week. Nonetheless, glad to be able to bring it to you. Well, I tell you what, I've been thinking long and hard about the whole giant situation and what Dave Gettleman has in store for them. What's the future? Dave Gettleman, I tell you, I don't want to be one of those guys that just gets on him and says he has no idea what he's doing. I'm trying to stay optimistic about it. I'm trying to be objective about it. I'm trying to be a journalist. I'm trying to separate myself from any kind of fandom. But I don't see the end game here. I just don't. I'm trying to see where Dave Gettleman is trying to bring the Giants, where he sees them in five or so years. They're going to have a different quarterback by then. I don't know what they're going to have for weapons around him. I do have an idea who that quarterback is going to be. And I believe their man is already in the NFL. And that's why... They are not looking at using their 6th or 17th overall pick on a quarterback this year in next month's NFL draft. Dwayne Haskins would be the likely choice. You wait a year, you get Justin Herbert from Oregon, the man they seem to want all along. But I think it's going to be Josh Rosen. I don't want it to be Josh Rosen, but I think it's going to be. I think the Giants are going to stockpile on picks. Maybe they already have. Maybe they feel like they've already got something back from the Browns that they can use to bring in Josh Rosen. Would they seriously consider giving the 17th overall pick for Rosen? If they did that, Arizona would do backflips if anybody gave them any type of first rounder for Josh Rosen. Because let's face it, if they get Kyler Murray number one overall, they are getting a loss in terms of return on investment from a draft standpoint, I believe they'll get a better player, and it's the right thing to do, drafting Kyler Murray number one overall. But then you have a quarterback you took 10th overall last year sitting there doing nothing. So if they were to get a 17th overall pick for a quarterback they don't want anymore, they took 10th, that would be the best case scenario. Steve Kime would absolutely do backflips if Dave Gettleman called him up and made him that offer. Dave Gettleman said multiple times that they did not sign OBJ to that long-term deal just to trade him. And then that's exactly what they did because he said another team gave him an offer that he couldn't refuse. Here's the thing about the Giants. I just want to throw everything else out for just a few moments about Cleveland, about maybe Arizona, what have you. What does he see for the Giants? He says that Eli Manning still has something left in the tank. Double down on that, that Eli Manning is their quarterback. I like that. That's fine. I do think Eli Manning has something left in the tank. He's not what he used to be, for sure. He's on his last legs. But you give him ample protection, which they didn't do last year. Nobody can deny that. You give him ample protection, he can still make plays. But having a guy like OBJ on the field is a big part of that. Earlier this week, Dave Gettleman said that they have been consistently better since he's taken over. Two years ago, when he took over as the GM, they were 3-13. and This year, they were 5-11. Come on, you really think Giants fans are going to want to hear that as a reason for trading away Odell Beckham? He doubled down on his support for his decision. He stood by it. 
But this is not a fan base where that's going to be okay. Improving by two wins in one season to get to 5-11. and 11. And you've still won a pair of Super Bowls in the last decade, 15 years or so. Made the playoffs just a couple of years ago. And then you signed Brandon Marshall that offseason. People were thinking you might win another Super Bowl. And now you're at the point where your fans are supposed to be optimistic because you went from 3-13 and to 5-11. and And that's why your fan base should trust you for trading away one of the best receivers in football? Come on. I don't see the logic in that. I really don't. And I'm trying to. I'm trying to see what plans they have for the future. They want to be a run-dominant team. All right, fine. I could get behind that. Going to need to build up that offensive line. They re-signed Zach Diossi yesterday. They're bringing him back. Nate Solder has to have a much better season. It's almost like Gettleman realizes, boy, I should have franchise tag Landon Collins. I shouldn't have just let him walk and get nothing back for him. No return on investment. Maybe if I do something outrageous and change the identity of this team, trade away one of the best receivers in football for a first, a third, and Jabril Peppers, which again, it's great investment, but... Not OBJ, because you got to hit on those picks. For one thing, you got to hit on a player of OBJ's caliber with one of those picks. Maybe if I do all that, then people will forget I let Landon Collins walk. I won't be criticized for that. I'd rather be criticized for taking a chance and trying to build a team my way rather than letting an all-pro safety walk out the door. I don't know if that's Dave Gettleman's mindset. I really don't know. I'm stumped. I'm trying to figure out Some sort of logic. Maybe he does have a plan. I'm not trying to criticize him. I don't know what he's doing right now. I I have no choice but to trust him. I don't want to. I don't necessarily agree with this or even like it. But what else am I going to do? I can't make sense of it. Heads or tails. I'm sure I'm not the only one. Danger Brill Peppers? Heck, that's a great pickup in the Giants. But who you're going to have as a number one receiver for a quarterback on his last legs? By the way, they just gave an extension to. Again, I like Eli Manning. I do. I grew up liking him. But the reality of it is, he's not what he used to be, and he's on his last legs. Why would you try to become a run-dominant team when you've got a quarterback that is a pocket-style passer, plus you can get anybody you want coming up in this draft, likely Dwayne Haskins, another pocket-style passer, although I don't think they're going to get him anymore. But the thing is, the big difference between Eli Manning and Dwayne Haskins, people aren't talking about enough, not the youth, not the talent, maybe the upgraded talent that Dwayne Haskins would get should he translate to the NFL, but the money, the money that you would have to pay them. You bring in a young quarterback, sign him to a rookie deal, then you've got room to go out there and spend. You can give obj light contracts. And then trade him away, if that's your prerogative. You even got a star running back to work with. One of the best running backs in the NFL already on your team. You've got a promising young tight end, if he can stay healthy and have an Ingram. You've got money with a young quarterback. You don't have to pay Eli his salary. You can get Dwayne Haskins on a rookie deal. Still stay as a pocket-style quarterback-friendly team. And go out and bolster your offensive line. That's what makes sense to me. But I'm not Dave Gettleman, and I'm not in this position. And I tell you what, we haven't heard very much from Pat Shermer, Giants head coach, about to enter his second year. Pat Shermer, to me, is a guy who would like a pocket-style passer as his quarterback. I don't know that he wants a run-first-heavy offense. 
I don't know why we're not hearing from Pat Shermer, but there has to be more to what went down with the OBJ trade. A lot of people wonder, maybe it had to do with something that was going on between OBJ and Pat Shermer, or OBJ and Dave Gettleman. What if this is between Dave Gettleman and Pat Shermer? What if those two are clashing over where they want the Giants to be headed over the next few years? Neither of them are in a great position right now. Public opinion on Gettleman has walloped big time. It's gone down the drain here in the last few weeks. Pat Shermer, he's had a tough first season over in New York. And they had how many games this year? I think 12 that were decided by a touchdown or less. Yeah, that's tough. It shows that they're right there and they're missing a few key pieces. And instead of going out and getting those pieces, they're trading away. They're entering rebuild mode. Last year, they were not in rebuild mode. Last year, they were there to win. And they showed that by going out and getting an all-pro caliber running back number two overall in the draft with Saquon Barkley. If they were in rebuild mode, they would have taken a quarterback and they would have let him come up through the system. But they weren't in rebuild mode last year. This year, they're engaging in rebuild mode, which makes me very interested to see what they're going to do in this draft. And Dave Gettleman addressed that this week. He said... It doesn't mean that you can't win if you're rebuilding or when you're rebuilding. He also said, he also alluded to the fact that 12 of their 16 games last year were decided by a touchdown or less. You know, that's great. If you want to sell optimism, go out and get some pieces so that you can make up that ground. But don't try to sell Giants fans on that we were this close. Don't tell me about how close you were. Because Gettleman is from the Bill Parcells tree. He is a student of Bill Parcells. And what was one of his most famous quotes? You are what your record says you are. And Gettleman, as a general manager, his record is 5-11 after last season. I don't see the end game here. I'm not saying he's a bad GM. I'm just saying I really, really hope he's got something special up his sleeve. Something that he hopes that nobody else has a clue about. I'm hoping that they have a fantastic draft this year, that they hit home runs on those 6th and 17 overall picks. Don't expect them to be quarterbacks, at least not at number 6 overall. Maybe they try to pick up Daniel Jones or Drew Locke at some point in the draft. But don't expect Dwayne Haskins to be wearing a Giants uniform next season. Look for linemen, whether it's on the offensive end or the defensive end, especially interior defensive linemen to be the focus of this year's draft, especially if they're going to a run-style offense. I don't know what Dave Gettleman has in mind. I I don't even know if I'm optimistic. I'm really not at this point. I don't know what he's looking for, and I don't want to jump on the bandwagon that is overly critical of him. I just don't see what the end game is here, and I'm hoping that once we get to the draft next month, it'll clear up a few questions for us, that we'll start to get things answered. NFL Draft just a month away, but we've got March Madness to focus on right now. Reminder that tonight, the final two games are the first four games. At 640, it'll be North Carolina Central taking on North Dakota State. Winner earns the right to play Duke in the first official round of the postseason. Then at 910, it should be a fun one. It's St. John's taking on Arizona State. I've got Arizona State in that one. James Harden's alma mater. They played well going into the Pac-12 tournament, got that upset win. I see them taking down St. John's, who, in my opinion, probably shouldn't be in March Madness.
And you can say what you want about those first four games, the first four in, what have you, if they're just a giant money grab from the NCAA. They've never been known to do that, so I'd be surprised. Or if they're really about making something special for four extra teams at the end of March. Either or, that's coming up tonight, and then the real action gets going tomorrow. Can't wait for that one. Let's take a timeout. We've got more coming up in the sports pen after this as we hit the halfway point. You're listening to ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops with you. Here is your Sports Center update. Taro Hirose of Michigan State is the Big Ten Hockey Player of the Year. Hirose signed a contract with the Red Wings earlier this week, so Michigan area hockey fans are going to get to see a lot more of him in the coming years. Elsewhere, Fairleigh Dickinson wins their first ever NCAA tournament game last night. They hold off Prairie View 82-76. to Their reward is that they get advanced to take on top seed Gonzaga. And finally... A San Francisco woman is being sued by her neighbors after she modeled her house and landscaped her yawn complete with dinosaur replicas to look like it was from an episode of the Flintstones. That's right, a Hillsborough woman is being sued as a public nuisance, or at least her property is deemed a public nuisance by her neighbors in the Hillsborough area of San Francisco. So that's what's going on. It's a public nuisance if you put plastic dinosaurs out in your lawn and you make your house look like it's from the Flintstones. It is the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops with you. Glad to be with you. Again, out of the office today. I'll be back tomorrow down here following Westwood Girls Basketball, but still glad to bring you the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. I miss my office. Haven't done a show there since Friday of last week already. Has it been that long? I'll be back tomorrow. Had a great time following the Patriots. Give a shout-out to the Westwood Patriot girls basketball team. What a great year for them, finishing 24-2, and making the state quarterfinals for the first time since 08. Tough way to end a great season last night, but a lot of fun to cover them, and I know they're going to get a warm reception uh, when they get back to the school, which should be coming up here shortly. Once again, Tanner Hoops with you, and I'll be back in the office tomorrow. Look forward to bringing you the sports pen as usual for the rest of the week. Well, I tell you what, some crazy signings, well, I, I don't know about crazy, but some other than the Odell Beckham saga, okay, fine, maybe not crazy. Maybe some some moves that make you say, hmm, you know, they pique your interest a little bit. Especially some that regard the Green Bay Packers here over the last couple of days, really over the last day. Brian Gutekunst out there making moves, shaking things up, what have you. This is what Packer fans have been looking for. An aggressive Gutekunst, a guy who's going to shake things up. I think they wanted this kind of Brian Gutekunst in this Packer front office when Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, and Earl Thomas were still all on the free agency market. But either way, they're getting him now. And he's cleaning house of some guys that maybe were past their prime or trying to clear up some cap space. So Clay Matthews is on to L.A. Meanwhile, Randall Cobb is heading to Dallas. Clay Matthews, a guy who's a fan favorite. I know I root for the guy myself. I'm not even a Packers fan. But let's face it, his production has been steadily declining since 2013 and just wasn't worth the money that Green Bay was paying him. He could have stayed in Green Bay and taken a pay cut, but he wasn't going to do that, especially not when his hometown team, well, at least the team that's in his hometown, came knocking. He has a home just a few miles from the L.A. practice facility. 
He went to USC. He's from that area. Chance for him to come home. And it's a logical fit, maybe not a good fit, but a logical fit for the Rams as well. A team that went all in on a Super Bowl bid last season. They made it. They lost, but they made it. But they did it by signing a lot of defensive players on short deals. They went all in on getting to the Super Bowl last year, and they got there. Didn't win it, but they got there. Now they have to deal with all those expiring contracts. Guys like Andamakin Sue, they just cannot re-sign. So they try to fill that void with guys like Clay Matthews, guys they can get cheap, albeit they're past their prime. I root for Clay Matthews. He's a good guy. I like him. But let's face it, this was a good move for the Packers. Clear up some space, go out and sign somebody younger, cheaper. It's a good move for Clay Matthews, too. Getting to change of scenery, going back to where his roots are. It's a good deal for everybody. Not the case for Randall Cobb. Randall Cobb is heading down to Dallas. You know, he's going to put on his media face. He's going to say, yeah, you know, I'm excited to be part of a team that's heading in the right direction, made the Super Bowl after, excuse me, made the playoffs after winning the division last year. They have a great head coach in Jason Garrett. He's going to say all this, even though it's probably not true. He's going to say that he's excited about playing for America's team. But really, he's going from Aaron Rodgers to Dak Prescott as his quarterback. Dak Prescott, again, he's not that good of a quarterback. I don't care what it says. He's been to the playoffs twice, fine. I don't care what it says. Dak Prescott is not that good of a quarterback. Especially not when you're a receiver on the downslide in your career and you just had Aaron Rodgers throwing to you for most of your career. That's tough. That's tough to try and battle back from. So everyone say a prayer, you know, send up some good thoughts for Randall Cobb. Cowboys are getting a, a receiver that probably will benefit them. They lose Cole Beasley this year, but they get Randall Cobb. So, you know, take it or leave it, what have you. Elsewhere, backup quarterbacks taking on new roles in respective cities. Ryan Tannehill is now Mariota's backup in Tennessee. And A.J. McCarron will back up Deshaun Watson in Houston. Which of those backup quarterback signees are you most excited for? McCarron to Houston or Tannehill to Tennessee, because I guarantee we're going to see both of them this year, because neither of those two starters can stay healthy, Mariota or Watson. I guarantee we are going to see Tannehill and McCarron both play some quality minutes, some big minutes this season. What's the net total between those two? I'm, what's the over-under if I said they're going to play a combined nine games this year? Is the over-under at nine? Would that be a good number for... The number of games that Tannehill and McCarron will combine to play this year? We should ask fans, for the life of me, if I knew anyone who liked the Texans or the Titans, which one they're more excited about. Tell you what, Fitzmagic is coming to Miami. I'm more excited to just see Ryan Fitzpatrick on the Miami South Beach scene, just to see what that's like. Just to see what fun could come out of that. The guy, remember, from his uh, day stealing Deshaun Jackson's wardrobe, now, Deshaun said that he let him use it. That's fine. Either way, a guy who can rock it like that, did he rock it? I don't know. Uh, I just want to see that guy in South Beach. Okay, Fitzpatrick is, you know, best served as a backup quarterback. I think we can all kind of come to a consensus with that. But he's a fun guy to watch. He's a fun guy to watch throughout his career. The Dolphins pretty much are saying that, you know, you're a bridge quarterback. Come here, see if maybe you can make yourself attractive to somebody next year and see if they sign you as their backup quarterback. 
They couldn't get Teddy Bridgewater, so this is what they do. So now you have Fitzpatrick playing a division with Tom Brady, Sam Darnold, and Josh Allen. I, I don't know if Belichick smiles or laughs or what have you, but it just seems to get easier for him every year. I tell you what, though, I am rooting for Ryan Fitzpatrick. I like the guy. Has he done some big things throughout his career? He absolutely has, and that's why I root for him even more. Because he's the underdog. He's the perpetual underdog. He went to Harvard and played football. He's the underdog, and that's why I root for a guy like that. So, yeah, in reality, he's probably a backup quarterback at best. But I root for the guy. I want him to have that Fitz magic that he had for the first few weeks of the season last year. I tell you somebody I don't root for, Vontez Perfect. And it appears that he has a new team, that he's going to sign with the Oakland Raiders. It took less than a day after getting released by the Bengals for someone to want Burfecht. And I tell you what, I can't be the only one who doesn't like Vontez Burfecht. I can't be. He's a dirty player. He's one of my least favorite players in all professional sports. Up there with Tom Wilson from the Washington Capitals. He's a dirty player. He has been suspended multiple times. He's played, what, how many games throughout his seven-year career that fined $4.1 million dollars? He's, he's, he can't stop getting out of his own way. He's been his own worst enemy. As talented as he's been, it's made the Bengals want to overlook his misgivings on the field and off the field. Keep in mind, it wasn't just dirty play that he's been suspended for. Also suspended four games for performance-enhancing drugs. But Vontez Burfecht has a new team. He has a new job. He's going to play for the Oakland Raiders. Right as the NFL was starting to send a message, well, at least if the NFL couldn't, the Cincinnati Bengals could, where, you know what, you're in this league because you can still produce. We're tired of the headaches. And now that you're not producing anymore, now that you're not playing at the high level that you were early on in your career, we don't want you. We don't want anything to do with you anymore. That's what I was hoping was going to be a wake-up call for Vontez Perfect. You know, he's not the young player, the young productive linebacker he was when he first came into the league. And I really thought he could have been an inspiration to some guys. Undrafted, turned into a very talented player, but he couldn't stay out of his own way. And I was hoping this would send a message to him. you got to clean up your act. But then the Raiders snap him up less than 24 hours after he's on the free agent market. So if the Raiders are going to do this and pencil him as a, as a starter... I hope their backup is pretty good, whoever's going to be backing him up, because chances are he's going to be seeing the field quite a lot here in the next how long that Vontez Perfect is in Oakland. What a weird group, too, when you look at who is out there in Oakland. You have John Gruden pulling the strings behind Marshawn Lynch, Vontez Perfect, Derek Carr, and, of course, Antonio Brown, a guy who has conveniently uh, targeted in the past by Vontez Perfect and his dirty play. Vontez Perfect got suspended three games after a shot to the head on Antonio Brown during a playoff game about three years ago. And now they're going to be teammates out in Oakland. They're going to be one big, happy Raider family. That's probably going to go 4-12 and this season. I just can't wait to see how it plays out. If there was anyone that was going to give him a job, I'm glad it was the Raiders. I want to see how it goes with Antonio Brown and Vontez Perfect as teammates. Because it's going to be like a Draymond Green, Kevin Durant situation in Golden State. They might hate each other. They might have beef. But one of the players is going to have the full backing of the front office because he's talented and they want him more than the other. One of them means more in the grand scheme of things than the other. 
I just kind of want to see that happen. It's going to be fun in the Bay Area to watch all this transpire. Vontez Burfick, Antonio Brown, Kevin Durant, Draymond Green all go into a bar. I don't know. Someone do something with that. We got to wait to see how this unfolds first. NFL free agency continues to get wilder and wilder. We may not have blue chip wide receivers on the move, but we've still got plenty to talk about. And we're going to continue talking about it next in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Now, I tell you what, as we wind down the workday this Wednesday afternoon, we get down to 5 o'clock, a little frustrated that we're only two games in the NCAA tournament. My bracket's already busted. Not really. Not too badly. I did pick Fairleigh Dickinson to beat Prairie View, but I did not pick Belmont beating Temple, although in hindsight I should have. Belmont looked really good last night. I thought Fran Dunphy in his final game as Temple's head coach, that would be enough. I don't know if that would be enough to motivate his guys to get a win over Belmont. I didn't know much about Belmont. Either way, Belmont is on to the official first round of the tournament where they'll take on Maryland. I tell you what, Maryland should be a little bit worried. After watching Belmont, actually getting to know them a little bit, maybe Maryland should be a little worried. I tell you what, I'm one of those people who pays attention to the first four games of the NCAA tournament, and on some level I hate myself for it. Like, why do I care? Why do I care that Fairleigh Dickinson won some kind of consolation prize and they're going to go on and get thumped by Gonzaga? Or why will I care that tonight North Carolina Central is playing North Dakota for the right to get stomped by Duke? Zion will probably outscore whoever is on the floor against him on Friday night. Whichever team is on the floor against him, he's probably going to outscore them by himself. Why do I care about these games? Although, later tonight, Arizona State and St. John, that could be a fun game. I gotta tell you, I picked Arizona State in that one. But no, until your bracket's busted, what have you. Real tournament doesn't start until tomorrow. Those matchups will be the ones to watch. Earlier this week, we had our NCA bracket selection show. That was on Monday at Super One Foods in Marquette. I tell you what, I could not figure out who was going to go to the Final Four from Virginia's region. Because I'm not picking Virginia. I'm not saying that they're going to make a deep run anymore. I don't have them losing in the first or second round. But I am not saying that Virginia is going to go to the Final Four. Not anymore. They've let me down too many times. I said earlier in the show, I don't have confidence in them anymore. I don't have confidence in Tennessee. I've never been high on them early on. Although I like Admiral Schofield. That's one of the best names in the tournament, along with Taco Fall from UCF. But I don't trust either of those two teams. And I'm not sure that there's anybody I really trust beyond them. So you know who I picked to go to the Final Four? Tell me if I'm crazy for doing this or not. But keep in mind, Loyola did make the Final Four last year. Crazier things have happened. I picked Villanova, the defending national champs, to win that region, to make it to the Final Four as a sixth seed. I picked Villanova to make it because Jay Wright always gets those guys in the right mindset to win come tournament time. It just happens. What they've done in the regular season is all out the window. Some guys have a March mindset and some don't. As good as Tony Bennett's squads in Bennett, Virginia, they don't have a March mindset. Jay Wright does. Jay Wright has won consistently at Villanova in the month of March. That's why I'm thinking... 
they're the team, even though they're a six seed, they're the team I'm most confident in to win that regional. I just don't see Virginia suddenly developing a March mindset a year removed from being the first ever one seed to lose to a 16 seed. And I don't think Tennessee has anywhere near that type of March mindset. I mean, Tennessee, fine. They had a great year. One of their best in a long, long time. I, that doesn't mean anything as far as March. I wouldn't be surprised to see Tennessee get bounced in the Sweet 16. So with my final four, I'm going Duke, North Carolina, Michigan, and Villanova. I tell you what, I want to pick Duke as the national champs, but it's too perfect. I have a rematch, part four, Duke, North Carolina in the national championship. I'm going Carolina, 77 to 69. That'll be the tiebreaker that's in my bracket pool. 77-69, Carolina over Duke. That's how I'm finishing my bracket. It just seems too perfect for Duke to win the national championship with the team they have this year. Even though I want to pick them, it just seems too perfect to be real. Because they've been spotty shooting the basketball at times this year. They've been spotty. It just takes one game here in this postseason. I think that that game is going to come against Carolina and is going to come in the championship. That may be a bit of a hot take, but I do think that Michigan is going to make the Final Four again. I believe they're going to do it as a two-seed. Could you imagine the backlash from Sparty fans if Michigan does indeed make the Final Four as a two? Sparty doesn't, even though Sparty's beat them three times this year, because Sparty actually got punished by winning the Big Ten Tournament because they got sent to Duke's region. Keep in mind, the committee chairman said the reason that Michigan State was in the region that they're in is because winning the Big Ten Championship caused them to leapfrog over Kentucky in the pairwise standings. For whatever reason, the reward for that, they get a leapfrog Kentucky, they get Duke. Apparently that's a reward. Either or, gotta beat the man to be the man. I think that's how you say it. You gotta beat the man to be the man. I'm pulling for Sparty because I like this team. They've overcome so much, they've had to defy odds through injuries, what have you, and still go on the run they did win both the Big Ten regular season and tournament titles. To me, that deserves a bigger award than a two-seed in Duke's region. I tell you what, I don't want to get too far into March Madness because we're going to have a lot to dissect once the real tournament, quote-unquote, actually starts tomorrow and Friday. Let's end the day talking about something kind of gross, and that's Robert Kraft and the prostitution scandal that has been surrounding him. Legal representatives have offered to drop the charges against Mr. Kraft. Yeah, completely drop it if he admits that he would have been proven guilty in a court of law. Why would they do that? What a weird thing. Now, the terms of the deal are that Kraft would have to go to a course on prostitution. He would have to pay multiple $500,000 fines and get screened for STDs. But why would law enforcement officials just drop the charges? Why? They have this guy dead to rights. They have video. Maybe there's a problem with how the video was obtained. Maybe prosecutors know that this video is fruit of a poisonous tree, that it was illegally obtained, they had to cut corners to get a search warrant, what have you, and they know it, and that's why they're proposing this deal to Mr. Kraft. Now, it's kind of an ultimatum when you do that. 
Because if Robert Kraft were to accept this deal, even if the video evidence was obtained through improper police procedure, and Robert Kraft were to accept their deal anyway, the video would likely be sealed. It would be sealed by the court of law, and it would not hit the public. But if he doesn't take the deal, and he plays the prosecutor's bluff, and he says, if you're willing to make this deal, you must not have enough legal evidence that I can't get thrown out. You must not have enough to make your case stick. Well, then the police can do anything they want with that video. It could absolutely get leaked to the public. And then, Robert Kraft isn't in the court of law, but he's fighting in the court of public opinion. Because once that video were to get released, and you can think of several news outlets that would love to have a tape like that, TMZ, Deadspin, think about what they could do with it. Okay, we know the disgusting things that went on, but to actually see it, the public to actually see what happened, what the police have, the incriminating evidence on video, it'd be a whole different thing. It's a different thing to understand and process what happened and to actually see it with your own eyes. That is something that Robert Kraft may not be able to recover from. So that might be his incentive to take this deal. It's such a weird situation because each of them, it's like a Mexican standoff. Each of them's holding the gun, but which one is willing to suffer more? The police to let their case go, or Robert Kraft to get off scot-free, hold on to his money, not have to pay fines, not have to go to court, not have to go to courses, but his public image is shattered beyond repair, one would think. So which is more important to Robert Kraft, his money or his public image? We're going to find out. Again, I'm just speculating. This is my theory, is that the video evidence against Kraft was illegally obtained, and the police and the prosecutors know this. And that's why they're offering Kraft the deal. Saying, we've got this. They're not telling him that we might not be able to use it, or that you could get it thrown out. But we have this, and it could ruin your life if it ever hit the public. That's my theory behind this, because this would just be so weird for cops to have a guy like this, cornered, dead to rights, and then just let him go? Just say, yeah, admit you're guilty, we'll drop the whole thing? To me, something doesn't add up there. All right, that was gross, and I don't feel right sending you off into your evening with that as the last topic that we discussed last thing here. So let's take a look at some of the biggest headlines from yesterday, ones we haven't covered already. Alex Bregman? Gets signed to a five-year, $100 million extension with the Houston Astros. One of my most favorite young players to watch in baseball. A guy who's not talked about anywhere close to enough. Alex Bregman is getting paid. Not just about Mike Trout dominating the headlines here over the last few days. Alex Bregman gets his extension as well. Doc Rivers signs an extension with the Los Angeles Clippers. Amidst questions whether he may be going across town even just across the locker room to the Los Angeles Lakers and becoming their head coach. Because people have thought, would this Laker team make the postseason if he just flip-flopped head coaches between them and the Clippers? Luke Walton gets the Clippers. Doc Rivers gets the Lakers. I don't know if they'd be a playoff team, but they'd be a lot better. I mean, you know, I don't think Luke Walton deserves all the criticism that he's getting, but he's certainly not as good of a coach as Doc Rivers is. 
Either way, the Clippers do the right thing. They lock him down. They sign him to an extension. He's a fantastic coach. I loved him when he was with the Celtics. I hated to see him go, but I'm glad that he's staying with an organization that looks like they have a plan for the future and should be optimistic for the future. And then finally, Northern Michigan hockey. Big week, despite the season coming to an end over the weekend. Some good news this week. Philip Ballou has been named the new captain for the 2019-2020 season. Philip Ballou will wear the C on his uniform next year. He also will wear the title of Conference Defenseman of the Year entering next season. Philip Ballou was named the Conference Defensive Player of the Year for this season, 2018-2019. Meanwhile, Troy Loggins got Offensive Player of the Year and Ade Tolvanen Goalie of the Year. So Northern sweeping three top-tier awards in the WCHA postseason awards ceremony, what have you, and they are going to take some hardware into the offseason. Tate Martell, former Ohio State quarterback transferred to Miami in the offseason, has been granted a hardship waiver by the NCAA. He is eligible to play immediately. His only hardship is that Justin Fields, a guy who has thrown 39 career passes in the NCAA, swooped in, took his job, and now he's a Heisman favorite. Seriously, he's a top four odds-on favorite to win the Heisman right now. So Tate Martell will play quarterback for the Miami Hurricanes this fall. Elsewhere, San Francisco Giants President Larry Bear will not face charges after video surfaced earlier this month of him having a physical altercation with his wife. Again, way to go, justice system, showing us that guys who are in powerful positions where they own or operate sports teams are not above the law. They're going to be treated just the same as the rest of us. Congratulations on job well done. How about this? Let's leave you with this. The open analyst role for ESPN's coverage of Monday Night Football, they have somebody in mind for it, and it's Peyton Manning. How would you like to see Peyton Manning call Monday Night Football along with Joe Tessitore? I don't know if Booger's going to be back or not, what have you. We can all have our own thoughts about that. Certainly, would he be an upgrade over Jason Witten? You know, People have their own thoughts about that, too. I'd kind of like to see Peyton Manning up in the booth. I mean, he's smart enough. He dissect plays well. I think it'd be kind of fun to see what Peyton could do. On the Monday Night Football booth, though, I don't know. I want to give experienced guys that. I want to know what I'm getting when I turn on the TV Monday nights. Jason Witten was a first-timer. Again, I'm not saying anything about Witten, but I want to know what I'm getting for Monday Night Football. That is it for us here in the Sports Pen. As always, appreciate you tuning in on your Wednesday afternoon. I'll be back on tomorrow, and this time I'll be back in studio for the first time in almost a full week. Until then, thanks for tuning in to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP, WZAM, Ishpeming Marquette.